And I'm going to ask you to make your way to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians chapter number 2 this morning. We're going to start out in Philippians chapter number 2 by reading verses 5 through 11. And our text verses will actually be 9 through 11. So in Philippians chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 5. Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now watch verses 9 through 11. These are our text verses. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and hath given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The title of the message this morning is A Name Above All Names. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you and sing praises to you. We rejoice in you. We thank you for who you are and for what you've done. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ and the knowledge that salvation is only through him. Lord, as we think about Jesus' humility but his exaltation this morning, may we be led to reverence and respect, honor, worship, adoration, and praise as we think about this name above all names and in it may you get glory to yourself it's in Jesus's name we pray amen a name above all names what is more important to someone than their name the name is the very way which we identify someone the old preacher Jay Lith said a name is a call word by which we separate objects and give to each its identity. And so the name really focuses on our identity and who we are. We feel, dis- we feel respected and closeness when someone calls us by our name. Likewise, we feel disrespected when someone incorrectly uses our name or calls us by the wrong name. Now in our text, Paul is exhorting the Philippian church members to be humble, look to the needs of each other, the fellow church members, and in all things to walk in unity. He uses the example of Jesus and Jesus' humility. How that Jesus humbled himself, took upon himself the form of a servant, became obedient even unto the death of the cross. And then in our text verses, he shows us that of all the people on this earth, Jesus did not have to be humble and assume the role of a servant. In fact, Paul points to the fact that Jesus is exalted by the Father and given a name above all names. This is a lesson that universally needs to be learned because it applies to every person on earth. We need to understand and recognize Jesus' name above all names. 
So the question this morning is, have we, have you, do you know the importance of this name above all names? Jesus Christ has been given a name above all names. In order to examine this properly this morning, I want us to look at three insights that our text verses give us concerning a name above all names. And they're all three found in verses 9 through 11. We first of all see this insight, the meaning of the exalted name. The second insight, the magnitude of the exaltation of the name. And then thirdly, the majesty majesty rendered due to the exalted name. Three insights that we see as we think about this name above all names. Let's begin by considering, first of all, this first insight, the meaning of the exalted name. Now notice in verse number 9, the Bible reads, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Who's Paul writing about? He's writing about Jesus very clearly. The Son of God is given a name of exaltation. He is given a name that lifts him up, a name that is above every or all names that were ever given or ever will be given. Now, obviously, we should think, first of all, about what is that name. If we think about Jesus as He is revealed in Scripture, He has many different names and many different titles. But, but what is the name above all names that is referenced here by the Apostle Paul in his writing? Well, that means and leads us to conclude, first of all, that we have to pinpoint the name. We have to pinpoint the name. What is the name? Well, I believe that in reference to the name that Paul writes about, It literally refers to Jesus' personal name. But it does include all that is involved in who Jesus is and all that is involved in that name. Now there are some very learned and scholarly men that don't believe that the name that Paul is referencing here is the name Jesus. They believe believe that he's talking about Jesus, the name that we know him by, but... But Paul is not referencing the personal name Jesus. And I'll tell you somebody who believes that is Brother John Gill. If you look up John Gill's commentary. And I can understand a little bit about what John Gill is talking about. But I think that the context seems to clearly clarify for us the name that is above every name. Look at verse 10. Let's read verse 9. And uh, then the beginning of verse 10 in context. Verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Now watch. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I believe that it's very clear that the personal name that Paul is talking about that is a name above all names is the name Jesus. Now you might say, well, weren't other people 
known by the name of Jesus and aren't people today known by the name of Jesus? Yes, that is true. But none of them were this Jesus. You know, there's many people that have your name, right? Uh, Yeah, there's even people that have my name. Can you imagine there's other people out there with the name Melvin, okay? Uh, Which again, is very clearly why I go by Mel. There are other people that are out there and just because other people have your name doesn't mean that when the name is mentioned that somebody's referring to you. It's personal. It's a personal identity. And I believe that the context here clarifies for us that this name above all names that Paul is writing about is the name Jesus and it does involve and include everything that Jesus is and all that he does. Now, the name Jesus... The word is a Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Joshua. And I preached a message some time ago here at Tabernacle Baptist Church uh, entitled, uh, Jesus, Our Joshua. It's the same name. And of course, the, the Hebrew name Jesus is Yeshua, Yeshua, and the Hebrew name is shortened to a form of Joshua or Yehoshua, Yehoshua. And remember, what the name literally means is Yahweh is salvation. I believe that very clearly. Paul is pinpointing the name that is above all names. It is the name Jesus or Jesus Christ. Alexander McLaren, the great British preacher, wrote this. And I just want to give you a couple quotes so that you understand uh, where I'm coming from on this. McLaren wrote and preaching a message he said what is the name which is above every name it is the name Jesus and then Adam Clark commented on this and this is a rather lengthy quote so please bear with me I'll give you the full quote Clark writes but if we refer to any particular epithet then the name Jesus or Savior must be that which is intended as no being either in heaven or earth can possess this name as he who is the redeemer of the world does, for he is the only Savior. None has or could redeem us to God but he. And throughout eternity he will ever appear as the sole Savior of the human race. Hence, before his birth, Gabriel stated that his name should be called Jesus, giving for reason he shall save his people from their sins. The qualifications of the Savior of the world were so extraordinary the redeeming act so stupendous and the result of all so glorious both to God and man that it is impossible to conceive a higher name or title than that of Jesus, the Savior of the world. And I agree with what Clark is saying. To me it seems very clear both by the context and by the application of of the name Jesus that Paul is referring to this name that is above every name, a name above all names, Jesus. And then finally I give you this quote from Brother Spurgeon. And again, it's a little bit more lengthy, but just so that you can gain the context of what Spurgeon is writing about, listen to what Spurgeon wrote. But if there be one name sweeter than another in the believer's ear, it is the name of Jesus. Jesus is the name which moves the harps of heaven to melody. Jesus, the life of all our joys. If there be one name more charming, more precious than another, it is this name. It is woven into the very warp and woof of our psalmody. Many of our hymns begin with it, and scarcely any that are good for anything 
end without it. It is the sum total of all delights. It is the music with which the bells of heaven ring, a song in a word, an ocean for comprehension, although a drop for brevity, a matchless oratorio in two syllables, a gathering up of the hallelujahs of eternity in five letters, Jesus, I love thy charming name, tis music to mine ear. And so I agree with what Spurgeon is writing. The name of Jesus is precious to the child of God. And to me it seems pretty clear that Paul is saying that that God the Father named His only begotten Son Jesus, and that is a name above all names. And so now having spent a few moments pinpointing the name, and we're talking about the meaning of the name, right? The meaning of of what we see here in that uh, it is an exalted name. Having pinpointed the name, we now want to think about the power that is through the name. This is a name above all names. His name is exalted, and only in His name and by His name may certain actions be accomplished. You know, if you were to go down to uh, the courthouse, and uh, it's uh, the June and September time frame where... Those of us that are property owners know what? Taxes are due. Okay. Now, if you were to go pay your taxes at the courthouse, and you were to walk up and say, you know what, uh, I don't have to pay my taxes this year because uh, Mel Kimberlin uh, said I don't have to. So in his name, I don't have to pay my taxes. Now, how far would that get you? Well, first of all, the person would look at you like you're nuts and then say, who in the world is Mel Kimberlin? It would get you absolutely nowhere. By the authority of my name, you cannot really do much. Okay. Now, in, in Jesus' exalted name, there is power through that name. And I want to think about just a few of the areas by which we have power, and we see that Jesus' name is a name above all names. First of all, in Jesus' name, there is salvation of souls. There's salvation of souls. What does the name Jesus mean? It means Yahweh is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. Do you remember in Matthew chapter number 1, and we have, we have that account where Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, and they haven't actually come together yet to consummate the marriage, and, and, and Joseph is willing to put uh, Mary away privately and, and, and allow her to keep her dignity and the, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, and we find this in Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 21. The angel says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It is only Jesus who can save from sins. It is only in the name of Jesus that we are saved from sins. Turn with me in your Bibles back to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 10. Or excuse me, Acts chapter number 4. Verse number 10. And of course, you know these verses very well. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. In Acts 4, verse 10. Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. 
This is the stone which was set at naught of the of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Now watch. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Darlene's dad, when he worked for S.D. Myers for all those years, on all their trucks and vehicles, they had the the uh, Bible verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, on the side of the trucks. The guy that had founded and established the company was a Christian, and he wanted people to know that there was only the salvation of souls through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, that is an exalted name. That is a name above all names. There is power through the name of Jesus. There is the power in that we see salvation only achievable through Him. Secondly, there is power through His name because in His name we seek through supplication. We seek through supplication. Now what did Jesus say when He was instructing His disciples in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 about how they were to act when He would be taken from them? And He clearly says that He's going away, He's going to go prepare a place, and He's going to come again. But then He gives them instruction about how they are to live and carry out His work here on this earth after His resurrection and ascension. And I just want to read you these verses. If you want to try to follow along, you can. We're going to actually at some point turn to John chapter 16. But listen to this. In John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. In John 14, verses 13 and 14. And and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name... That will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. In John 15, verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, He may give it you. And so we see that, as we seek through supplication and praying to our Heavenly Father, it is only through the name of Jesus that we see the petitions that we desire granted. We have boldly to go to we have boldness to go to God in prayer by the blood of Jesus in His name. And then turn to John chapter 16. Notice John chapter 16, Jesus continues the thought of chapters 14 and 15. And in John chapter 16, I want you to notice verses 23 through 26. John 16, verse 23 through 26. And in that day, what day is he talking about? He's talking about after Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and ascended to the Father, and takes his rightful position of honor on the right hand of the Father on the throne. Notice he says, And and in that day ye shall ask me nothing, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. And so, we, we have a clear indication that Jesus is saying that in His name, we have the, the ability to seek through supplication. 
William Burkett, the old preacher from the 1500s, wrote, As all spiritual addresses, both of praise and thanksgiving, must be offered up to God, so their acceptance with God is only to be expected by or through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've preached on this multiple times before, but why at the end of prayer do we say, in Jesus' name? It isn't just a vain repetition. We are literally saying that what we have asked of you, our Heavenly Father, we are asking in Jesus. That because of Jesus, we ask you to bless this. Because in and of ourselves, we have no uh, nothing that would benefit us to God aside from the Lord Jesus Christ. We sing that old song, and it's uh, it's been a while since we've sang it. But you remember that song, Take the Name of Jesus. Take the name of Jesus ever as protection everywhere. If temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. And so when we're in the midst of spiritual difficulty, and we're fighting the fight and we need the Lord's protection, how do we gain respite and reprieve from the Lord? We seek through supplication in the name of Jesus. And so, we're talking about the power that is through His name. There is the salvation of souls and the fact that we can seek through supplication. But then lastly, there is success in serving. Success in serving. I presume that you as the servants of the Lord, you want to be the best servant that you can be. I appreciate uh, Brother Steve and his time volunteering yesterday come out and sit here uh, you know, while they were looking at the building and some of the difficulties, and and, and he got busy while he was here. Uh, look, you can see outside the front window now. I mean, you know, he cleaned the front window. Uh, you know, you want to be the best that you can for the Lord, whatever you're doing, okay? In whatever task we approach, we want to be our best for the Lord. We want our labors to not be futile, but to be blessed by the Lord. In the name of Jesus. This name above all names, there is success in serving. In Colossians 3, verse 17, an old scripture song that we used to sing over in Ohio, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And so, whatever it is that we do in the service for the Lord, we are to do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because it is a name above all names. If you ever hope to have spiritual power in your Christian walk. You know how you got to do it? In the name of Jesus. You remember the the Lord originally called out His 12 disciples and He, he made them apostles. But you also recall that later on He called out the 70. He called out 70 others. And He, he if in effect, if we're going to uh, uh, apply modern terminology, He licensed them. He gave them a charge and He gave them their responsibilities and He sent them out to do the work of the Lord. And listen to this description of the 70's results after they went out in service unto the Lord. You find it in Luke chapter 10 verse 17. In Luke chapter 10 verse 17, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us, through thy name. Hey, beloved, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus has a name that is an exalted name. It is a name above all names. And you and I should recognize that 
as it relates to our service unto the Lord. And so we're looking at three insights about this name above all names. The first insight, we see the meaning of the exalted name Jesus. Now we secondly look at this insight, the magnitude of the exaltation of the name. The magnitude. Now the word magnitude, I choose that word because it means the greatness of the exaltation of the name. The ex, the, uh, the, the extent of the exaltation of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, your name is probably only known amongst people that you know. Now, because we have the internet today, and we have all these other social media platforms, uh, it's possible for people to know you by Googling you or looking you up online and so forth. We've even had, uh, I don't know if you remember we, what time we had the one fellow visit from up in the New England states. And you know, I said, hey, how did you find out about the church? And he said, well, I've listened to you preach for years on sermon audio. Uh, what, what an amazing thing that he still came to visit. Okay, but, but the point is that he knew, he, knew, he knew me, he knew my name through that. But generally speaking, the people that know us and our name is very limited, is it not? Of all the people here on this earth, what percentage actually could identify you by your name? Well, that doesn't compare to the exaltation of the name of Jesus and the magnitude of the exaltation. There is a greatness as to the extent of the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ's name, a name above all names. The magnitude, first of all, extends to people. It extends to people. Notice uh, in, uh, in, in uh, verse number 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Notice here that this is a phrase that is taken from Isaiah chapter number 45. And I want to turn to Isaiah 45, first of all, to again gain the context of the magnitude or the extent or greatness of the exaltation of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Isaiah chapter number 45, and we want to look at verses 21 through 23. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 21 through 23. Isaiah 45, verse 21. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Now watch. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. Verse 22 is a passage that the Lord used to save Charles Spurgeon when he was a young man. You can go back and look at that. But I want you to know the extent. God says, look unto me all the earth. And now watch verse 23. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. And so we notice here the greatness and the extent of the magnitude, the exaltation of the name. It refers to to all people. Now, you could say uh, this morning, well, it says every knee and every tongue, and certainly there are animals uh, that, that have knees and tongues, and there's no doubt in my mind that the animal kingdom gives honor and glory unto the Lord. But they don't do it the way that people do. They don't do it the way that we do 
where we cognizantly are able to speak praises and glory unto the Lord, and we can cognizantly uh, bow the knee and bend the knee to God. The the Bible says here as to the as far as the magnitude of the exaltation, it's to all people, it's to every knee. There is no one exempt. It is to every tongue. All beings shall praise him and confess him with the tongue. So it, it extends to all people, but also know also know to all places. To all places. Let's read let's read verse ten again. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment, the bowing and the confessing. But that every knee should bow, now watch, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Now you'll note there in your uh, Bible, if you have a King James Bible, that the word things is in italics. And that means that it was added by clarif- for clarification by the translators. What is literally spoken of here is that all beings, all beings, okay, in, in all beings that are in heaven. Well, who are all beings in heaven? Well, are not angels in heaven created uh, spirits by the Lord, uh, ministering spirits to the saints of God and used of God to carry out the Lord's work? And of course, these would be referred to as the elect angels or the good angels. And also, too, who else is in heaven? What other beings are in heaven? Saints that have died and have gone on to be in the presence of the Lord. What's the Bible say? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, uh, in heaven, uh, we see the magnitude of the exaltation of the name of Jesus. And then notice, he says, things in earth. This refers to people. Only people people are capable of exalting God. And so, when you think of places that you might go to, there's heaven, and of course when we studied the subject of heaven, uh, the first and second and third heaven as it relates to uh, the stars and the firmament and so forth, but there's heaven and there's earth, and then there's under the earth. Things under the earth here, he says. What, what's under the earth? Well, I'll tell you what's under the earth as it relates to the terminology here. Demonic angels who have been reserved for judgment those angels that fell and followed Lucifer, demonic angels, they're going to bow the knee and they're going to confess that Jesus is Lord. In fact, we find that even in the New Testament, those uh, people that were possessed of evil spirits, they knew who Jesus was. Those spirits, those demonic uh, angels knew who Jesus was. So we have the demonic angels, we have the inhabitants of hell, those that have died in their sin without the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ covering their sins, they're in hell. And of course, all of those dead bodies that will be resurrected at the great white throne judgment. You hear people talk about, eh, you know, I don't really want to go to heaven because it's boring up there. I've literally heard celebrities say this. Okay, I want to go to heaven. It's boring up there. I, I'll be happy in hell where I can party. What a ridiculous, ignorant statement. Do you know what the people in hell are going to be doing? They're going to give honor and glory unto the Lord as they suffer in an eternal flame. And so, what we're talking about here, we just want to quickly hit on this and move on, this second insight, the magnitude of the exaltation of the name. Jesus has a name above all names. 
and all people in every place at some point are going to bow the knee to Jesus and confess that He is Lord. And that leads us, it's a good transition to move on to our third insight. And the third insight deals with the majesty rendered due to the exalted name. The majesty rendered due to the exalted name. Now I want you to note here in verses 10 and 11, and we're going to read those again to gain the context of what we're talking about. Notice Philippians 2 verse 10 and 11. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And then notice verse 11. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now the word majesty refers to dignity or grandeur. It deals with a, an elevation of someone and it's usually reserved for titles of emperors and kings and queens and people of, of royal descent. And what we're saying here this morning is that there is a majesty that is rendered to, uh, to Jesus due to the exalted name. Now, think about this. The Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. What do we see from that? Prostration. Prostration. Everyone is going to bow at the name of Jesus. Now, the word prostrate, um, using Webster's Dictionary, it means lying at length or with the body extended on the ground or other surface, to throw oneself down or to fall in humility or adoration, to bow in humble reverence. Bowing the knee expresses adoration, respect, reverence, and worship. And we, what we have Paul recording for us here is the, the majesty that is rendered to Jesus due to the exalted name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Bowing is a sign of reverence, adoration, respect, and worship. Now, when we think about this prostration, it certainly, first of all, denotes His royalty. His royalty. Jesus is prophet, priest, and what? King. He is King Jesus. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter number 1. Now, I want you to know what the Gabe what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. And we've already looked at, at this account in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter number 1, verse 21, but I want you to notice the focus in Luke's writing. In Luke chapter number 1, notice verses 31 through 33. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now watch. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and to his kingdom there shall be no end. Beloved, in order to sit on the throne and have a kingdom, you must be a king. And the Bible here is prophesying of the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Bible says and Paul lets us know that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, it is denoting His royalty. That is an act that is, a, that is reserved for royalty and for kings. Now, to tie this thought together, 
I want us to move to Revelation chapter number 19. And bear with me. We're almost through. Notice Revelation chapter number 19. And I, I would like for you to see the description of Jesus. Revelation chapter number 19, verses 11 through 16. In Revelation chapter number 19, verses 11 through 16, we're making the point that this name above all names is going to result in majesty being rendered to Jesus due to that exalted name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. We will be prostrate before the Lord. And that denotes His royalty that Jesus is King. Notice Revelation 19 verse 11. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make more. Who is this? This is Jesus. And I want you to notice verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. Royal diadems that as a king would wear. There are many crowns on Jesus' head. Now watch. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon, their white, upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. And with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Verse 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Did you notice how many times the name of Jesus is referenced there and different names that are given to him? And you know who it's talking about how. Because you know it's Jesus. It's Jesus. A name above all names. He is King of Kings. God made a promise to David that of David's seed and lineage, there would be one that would set forever on the throne of Israel and that would rule over an eternal kingdom that would come. And that is none other than Jesus Christ, who has a name above all names. It denotes His royalty, this prostration does. And it is demonstrated through our reverence. Now, it's important to note, and I, I really shouldn't have to say this, but just for sake of anybody that might be listening on through sermon audio, when, when Paul writes that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, he's not saying that literally when you hear the name of Jesus, wherever you're at, you fall to your knees. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that there is a majesty and power of Jesus that is carried with this human name and that at some point Jesus is going to rule and reign over all and all are going to bow and worship Him. It's as though Psalm 95 verse 6 literally comes to life before our eyes where in Psalm 95 verse 6 the Bible reads, O come, let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And so, this, this prostration, every knee should bow, it, it is demonstrated through our reverence. In Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4, and if you, uh, if you perhaps are still in your place in Revelation, let's, let's turn back to Revelation chapter 15 and tie this together, how that there is worship coming 
to the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, due to His name above names. Notice Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. This is Jesus. In verse 4, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Hey, beloved, Jesus has a name above all names. In all nations, all people, all kindred and tongues, and those out of every blood and every nation are going to bow the knee to Jesus, those of us that are saved by the grace of God. Aren't you glad that you bow the knee to Jesus now? That we belong to Him, and it's good for us. We, we are okay with that. We, we accept the royal reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, and someday all will. So notice there's the prostration here as the, in the majesty rendered due to the exalt, exalted name. And then lastly, we find in verse 11 the profession. The profession. In, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 11, notice, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. This involves, first of all, an acknowledgement of Jesus' superiority. An acknowledgement of His superiority. There's no other name that has the re- respect, reverence, and worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in prostration and bowing the knee to Him, but in our profession. Acknowledging that Jesus is superior. What's it say? That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The word Lord in the Greek is kurios. And it means supreme in authority. It denotes someone who is an owner, a ruler, or sovereign. And beloved, that describes the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, in talking to His own disciples, in John chapter 13, and we read these verses the other night on Wednesday night when He was dealing with uh, uh, instituting for that time, that church, the 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 uh, foot washing ceremony, and uh, we don't believe that's an ordinance today. But Jesus certainly practiced it then to show his servant leadership. And in John chapter thirteen and verse number thirteen, we find this verse: "Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am." We acknowledge the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ that He is. Master and Lord, He is supreme in authority. He's the sovereign ruler. You know, one day every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is sovereign. There are people today that walk on this earth and they hate the name of Jesus. And they don't bow in reverence or subjection to Jesus. They don't respect Jesus. I mean, go through the ages and look at some of the ways that Jesus has been depicted, some of the blasphemous ways. You know what? There's coming a day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. He is supreme in authority. He is master. He is ruler. And so this profession is an acknowledgement of Jesus' superiority. But in it, in that profession, we see an adoration that reflects upon the Supreme Father. Notice the last part of verse 11. To the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. 
when we acknowledge that, that Jesus is Lord and we are rendering praise, honor, glory, and worship unto Him, we are also reflecting on the glory of the Father. Because you can't see the Father without seeing the Son, and you can't see the Son without seeing the Father. Those that glorify the Son honor the Father, John 5, verse 23. And so you and I ought to this morning reflect upon this name above all names. Jesus, our Savior, exalted by the Father. Though He humbled Himself on this earth and took upon Himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, that was when He came the first time. When He comes the second time, He's coming as the supreme king and ruler. And He is very right now the supreme king and ruler. Jesus has been exalted and given a name above all names. This morning we looked at three insights. The meaning of the exalted name. The magnitude of the exaltation of the name. And the majesty rendered due to the exalted name. I pray with all my heart and soul that today you know Jesus. And you are bowing the knee and using your tongue to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I pray that if you don't know that, very soon in your life God will reveal that to you. And you'll come to know this man, our Savior, who has a name above all names.